0: Welcome back to another edition of Think Compliance, brought to you once again by Comply Guys and Compliatric. I'm Brad Phillips, your host, and I'm the Director of Sales for Compliatric. Today I've got with me Dave Monahan, co-founder of Compliatric, and Ahmed Salim, co-founder of Comply Guys.
1: Hey Brad. Hi Brad, thanks for having us.
0: No worries, guys. How's it going today? Really Great. good. Good. Well, so for our new listeners, Comply Guys and Compliatric have created this podcast series in order to help compliance professionals build their program. Every podcast will discuss a new compliance issue and provide insight on how to ensure your organization is following best practices. Today's topic will be an overview of the second element of an effective compliance program, which is <clears throat> designating a compliance officer and compliance committee. Now, it's important to note that the information provided in our podcast are the opinions of our presenters and should not be considered legal advice. So let's get started today. Ahmed, can you tell us a little bit more about the second element?
1: Sure, Brad. So essentially, the second element covers what the government is trying to say, making sure that every organization has a compliance officer or someone overseeing the compliance program within an organization. So the idea is that this person is not only creating the program if a program needs to be created, but they're also continuing to grow an existing program to make sure that it's following all the essential elements of a compliance program.
2: Yeah, the idea of the compliance officer is to help prevent risk and exposure to the organization from potential compliance issues.
0: So how does a compliance officer do that?
2: Well, it's important that the compliance officer have the following elements to help them with their job. They need to be able to report directly to the CEO. They should at least have a dotted line to the board of directors. And ideally, the compliance officer should not be the company's CEO, CFO, or legal counsel.
0: So Dave, can you explain why that would not be a good
2: idea? Yeah, well, first of all, it's important for the compliance officer to report directly to the CEO. Because there's times when the compliance officer has issues and their message may not be resonating within the organization. They need to be able to rely on the CEO in order to get past those issues and if they need help to push anything throughout the organization. Now, like I mentioned, the compliance officer should have a dotted line to the board in case there's an issue with the reporting structure and perhaps the CEO is not listening to their concerns. One of the worst things that can happen to an organization is for them to have a whistleblower claim brought against them, where maybe a former or even current employee had brought forward their issues to management, could have been to the CEO, to the compliance hotline, but nothing was done. This could be for a number of reasons and one it could be a toxic environment in the organization. And to protect the organization from these potential issues, the compliance officer should be able to report to the board when the concerns are not being met and they need some additional help.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So what about the final point?
2: So Brad, essentially
1: what it states in Compliance 101, another book that you can purchase through HCCA, it essentially states an organization should not appoint the CEO, CFO, or legal counsel as their compliance officer. So what the book is trying to say is there's potential conflicts that arise uh, when one of those positions is filled by a compliance officer. So you've, it's a popular saying, you don't want the fox watching the hen house. So you know, to caveat that, you don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that all individuals in this position couldn't effectively do their job as a compliance officer. But the idea is to avoid any possible concerns or conflicts. So when we look at this, uh, we'll, we'll look at this example. So a compliance officer's job is to ensure that the organization is not breaking any rules um, and they're doing this by remedying any issues that they do come across. You know, uh, for instance, if we identify an overpayment, we're going to have to pay back the government uh, if necessary. On the other hand, you have legal. Legal job is to protect the organization and to ensure the organization is still viable and has the resources to function. So as a compliance officer is looking to uh, make sure that we're doing everything appropriately, legal is making sure that we're being protected. So the two uh, ideally, fundamentally counteract. So. You know, once again, there's no written rule from the government that states that someone that is legal counsel cannot be the compliance officer. But ideally, you want to make sure that you're, you know, separated into away from each other.
0: Okay. Thanks, Ahmed. Well, Dave, can you tell us anything else about the compliance officer?
2: Yeah. You know, it's important that whoever is appointed as the compliance officer has a higher level of oversight. Uh, typically, that could be a manager or director, or ideally, uh, senior management. The idea is they should be in a position of oversight and be able to influence change. It's very important that the individual is also a strong leader.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Dave. Actually, so, you know, compliance, you know, anyone that's in compliance knows it's a difficult line of work. You know, it's always important that your compliance officer has some form of qualities to navigate your organization's compliance program. Um, if you don't have leadership traits, it's going to be a tough time to actually get through your days as a compliance officer. It's also important to note that a compliance officer has the ability to actually have difficult conversations. So there's often times as a compliance professional you're coming across serious issues um, basically where you're going to have to have difficult conversations. You're going to have to talk to someone to make sure that uh, they're not going into medical records of a loved one when they're not supposed to and if they happen to be doing so you have to be able to have the conversation of saying, hey, you're not only breaking the policy but you're breaking the law and you're going to probably have to terminate the person. So that's, it's very important that your compliance officer has that quality. And then you also want to ensure that the compliance officer has visibility for your staff. You want to make sure staff can actually uh, say they actually know who the compliance officer is. Um, they want to be able to know who they can bring their concerns to. And you want to make sure they actually understand what it is the compliance officer and the compliance department does.
0: Thanks, Ahmed, for explaining the first part of the element, which was the designating of a compliance officer. Let's shift gears just a little bit, guys. What can you tell me about designating a compliance committee now?
2: Well, Brad, a compliance committee is an effective way to have a discussion on a compliance issue within the organization, as well as giving management or another committee member an understanding of what the compliance program is working towards. The role of the compliance committee is to support a compliance officer when they're navigating difficult decisions or issues?
1: So Brad, it is important to note that uh, there are multiple committees that a compliance professional may have in their organization. One could be an audit committee, another one being a board of directors committee. Uh, for our purposes today, we're specifically talking about a compliance committee. Uh, we will touch about those other committees in future podcasts.
0: Okay, well so how do we create a compliance committee then?
1: Well, so Brad, let's just caveat again. There's no right or wrong answer to this. It depends on how your organization is set up. So when you're creating a committee, there's a variety of ways to approach it. Um, it's important, and this holds true no matter what organization you're on, that you have leaders throughout your organization um, and strong backgrounds that relate back to compliance as a part of your committee. Um, you know, As I say, there's no specific makeup for your committee. But generally, and this is generally, your committee can include legal, finance, quality, someone from nursing, risk management, HIM, medical staff, HR, um, CEO or someone from administration, basically anyone you feel that could contribute to your committee, someone who uh, is actually related to compliance and can help grow the program um, you know, with learning from the committee within your organization. So. Um, you know, let the committee know the direction of your program and keep them up to date with any trends that you are noticing with your organization. And you want to make sure that you're actually educating your committee. Bring articles to the committee of, you know, recently found penalties from the OIG. Um, you know, make sure they understand what it is that you're doing. Uh, the worst thing about being a committee member, and we've all been a part of a committee where you have to sit around and no one has any idea what they're talking about, try to avoid that. Keep them educated, keep it fun, keep them engaged. The more educated a committee is, obviously the more engaged they're going to be within your meetings. And then uh, something that I've seen in my career that's really growing and becoming uh, quite popular is uh, creating your agenda in the form of the seven elements uh, of an effective compliance program. So making sure that you're actually covering each topic in every meeting. so you can actually show in case you ever get audited by the government or you just want to check out, to see if you're being effective, that you're actually covering what you're doing for the seven elements in your committee.
2: Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, final thought for me is to keep it interesting. You know, a lot of the information provided in the meeting, it's complex, um, but you need to make sure that everyone understands what's being discussed and, uh, you know, maybe bring in some, uh, some treats, some cupcakes or something. It's, always makes the committee meeting uh, more
0: enjoyable. So very true Dave, we all love our donuts. Now the last question I have for you guys would be would it be important or beneficial to track the meetings of the committee meetings?
1: Yeah so it's a great question. You know one of the main components of actually having a compliance committee is making sure you're not only keeping minutes for your meetings but that you're actually tracking attendance, and actually tracking when you're having your meetings. Now, when we talk about having your meetings, you could have it depending on your organization, once again, monthly, quarterly, biannually. Obviously, the more frequently you meet, the better. But make sure you're tracking this information, because you want to be able to show not only to uh, your committee, to administration, the board, or even the government that come in, what you're doing, what you're discussing in your committee, and that you actually have a committee meeting. So it's very important.
0: Well, so thanks again for all of your guys' time and insight on this. Thanks, Brad. So thank you again for listening to another Think Compliance podcast. Please join us for our next podcast on the next element of an effective compliance program, which will be conducting an effective training and education. If you have any questions, please reach out to Ahmed Salim. His email is listed on the description page of the podcast. Thanks again.